Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. I'll tell you what, I want to start off this episode by kind of mentioning a few geopolitical things here from earlier this week. I've got a couple of education-related subjects to bring up. Um, Received a rather interesting email from a family member about a very odd so-called talent agency, which is really disgusting, specifically for children, but I wanted to bring this to your attention also. And then I have some jab-related stuff as well. And then I'll round this out by uh, basically covering, again, where you can find the 5G Symposium, which is going to take place Friday from noon to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're interested in checking that out, I'm sure it'll find its way to rumble eventually, and then the whole thing can be viewed perhaps over the weekend. But I think it's going to initially start off uh, at Clout Hub. Either way, I'll end up putting the link in the description below so that you can bounce over there and check it out, I think, if you're interested. Okay, here's where I want to start. Uh, first of all, I want to I spend a second on the Canadian Parliament thing, which I thought was very interesting earlier this week, which eventually led to apparently the House Speaker resigning. You may recall that they brought in this old guy into Parliament. Zelensky was there, Trudeau, everybody from the House of Parliament in Canada was there. The Speaker of the House read basically this old man's resume, so to speak, and some of his war experience fighting with the Germans against the Bolsheviks. And then everybody, you know, stood up and applauded and and what have you. This is really where a psychological operation has to be taking place, in my humble opinion. First of all, it flat out seemed to take a number of different people in a number of different directions and confuse the masses. That right there almost signifies that it's a psychological operation of some kind, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad one. It could mean that it was done for the purposes of tricking people and, uh, and maybe even exposing people and exposing some bad people. So let me run through a couple of hypothetical scenarios here just so that people sort of have a grasp of the depth of some of these psychological operations. First of all, if anybody understands real history, if you've ever read Mein Kampf or you've ever seen Europa, The Last Battle, or The Greatest Story Never Told, or you've read any of the books again about pre-World War II and even way before then, uh, right into the books specifically dealing with Europe after World War II, and in particular Germany, what you'll understand is, is that having investigated those particular topics, everything that is taught in American K-12 schools and certainly at the university level is not true. They tell you one line and one story. And as we know, they never get into the business of what was going on before the war in Germany, specifically in Europe as well, because if they did that, people would connect a series of dots that would be undeniable, and then individuals would arrive at different conclusions. So let's examine first this Ukrainian stuff, certainly the so-called war that's been taking place over the last, uh, you know, last couple of years here. You may recall a bunch of different pictures, of course, making their rounds all over the internet, certainly within the last two years or so of members of the so-called Ukrainian army, and they're holding up Azov battalion flags, and they're holding up 
uh, you know, flags with a swastika on them and, and a bunch of other different things. This, of course, is completely inaccurate based on anything from a historic perspective. So this, too, I think, is a giant psychological operation. Just because a picture exists doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that it's accurate or that they're telling an accurate story. Again, we don't know when the pictures were taken. You can, you can take a picture with anybody holding up a particular flag and sell it to the public, and they will drink it in and believe it. So that has to be taken into consideration first. Just because your eyes see it doesn't mean that it's actually real. The second thing, of course, is there were lots of footage of these so-called soldiers being detained by Russian soldiers, and then they're having their clothes ripped off, and then they're saying, oh, look, there's swastikas tattooed on their backs. So these are, you know, German sympathizers. This right here, too, is a bit confusing, because if they were sympathizers of the old German party from the 1930s and 1940s, they would not be fighting for someone like Zelensky, who is an open and devout Jewish man. So that right there should tell everybody that it's a bit confusing. Why is it that these people would be fighting for someone who, again, is an open and devout Jew? That has to be taken into consideration, and that right there should tell everybody, again, that's kind of the first marker that there's a psychological operation taking place here. Number two, it's clear that Russia is not the Soviet Union, that the Russia now is not the Soviet Union back in the 1930s. They're not the same. They're nowhere close. Russia right now, as it stands, is a Christian nation, without a doubt. They have a strong heritage. They are nationalists. They love their country. They protect their country. And they know that from a property standpoint, that Ukraine used to be theirs, that that land used to belong to them. And most of the people, I might add, in Ukraine feel the exact same way about the current state of Russia. They agree with them, which is why you had all of those different provinces of Ukraine uh, voting, literally, to rejoin Russia. And they did so. So again, it begs the question, who's actually doing the so-called fighting for Ukraine? And why is it that if they are so-called... German sympathizers, or as Conrad Haydn would have people believe, Nazis, then why on earth would they be fighting for somebody like Zelensky who is Jewish? It makes zero sense. None of it matches up historically with anything, and it's beyond confusing. So that right there should tell people, again, it's a psychological operation. There's more going on here than what meets the eye. With all of that said, is it possible that Zelensky is playing a particular role, certainly in the eyes of the soldiers, by being a so-called German sympathizer? It's possible. And he's drawing, I don't know, these individuals out and exposing a certain number of individuals. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know all the different angles of this, but here's what I know. And I want to just, again, it's it's beyond confusing, but I want to get back to 
sort of his role and then what happened in Parliament. Again, you've got all of these American politicians going over there and shaking hands with him and taking pictures with him as he's got the Azov Battalion logo, that, that trident, which is satanic, on his, on his shirt all, the, all of the time and certainly on all of the flags. And yet you have all of these quote-unquote bipartisan politicians going over there and taking pictures with him. Why would they do that? If they were, if they were quote unquote Nazis or sympathizers of the 1930s German, uh, German, German army and German government and, and the people, it, it doesn't make sense because it's a, it's a direct contradiction of everything that they claim to stand for. I mean, let's face it. Most politicians around the world are Israel first all of the time, which is an abomination because Israel is not our they're not our friend. They're not our ally. They steal from us, and then they take our own money, and they attack us with it. So, again, from a psychological operation standpoint, what has it done? It's gotten even the people like the bio-clandestines who are on Telegram and Twitter and whatever else, throwing the word around Nazi all of the time to either, again, wake up the mass public because they still believe that old K-12 curriculum story about Germany and all of the propaganda that's existed in Hollywood and everything else. But at the same time, from the parliament standpoint, why on earth would the Speaker of the House be given a series of papers and a script to read to hold up this random old guy who, let's face it, we don't know if this guy was really a German soldier or not back in the day, and if he was, he deserves a medal because he openly fought against the Bolsheviks and Joseph Stalin. That's a good thing. But see, what they're doing is is they're, they're trying to com- basically make a comparison between now and then, and you can't make that comparison because they're not the same. They just aren't. What you have in Ukraine is the Khazarian Mafia fighting against Christians, by and large, in Russia. That's what's going on. Not the way that it was back then, where you had Christians in Germany fighting against Bolsheviks in Russia. You see the the flip side of that coin? So, either way, they did all of this. This old guy, who, again, like I said a second ago, let's face it, I mean, this guy could have come from the Alzheimer's wing of the old folks' home down the road, and they just brought him in. He's got a couple of hearing aids. They had him stand up, and then they, you know, applauded him for his work against fighting the fighting the Bolsheviks back in the day, and he and he fought for the German, uh, you know, the German army and the SS. Well, again, <laughs> it's it's too funny because they're trying to compare apples and oranges. They're trying to compare the way that things were back then to the way that things are now. And they're, they're just not the same. So the whole thing had to have been scripted. There had to have been confused looks on endless people's faces because it ultimately, of course, led to the resignation of the Speaker of the House. And now what else do we have? We have a number... Well, let me get into that too. Most speakers of the House, okay, are blackmailed. Most of them. I mean, we know that most politicians are blackmailed. 
So why is it that the Speaker of the House or someone, I mean a single person, wouldn't say, hey, wait a minute, what are we doing here? We're inviting in a guy who, who fought with the Germans against the Russians back then, but we're trying to make a comparison to that somehow being the same today as it was back then. Shouldn't we be doing something else? And no one intervened, apparently. Nobody. It's almost as if the whole thing was controlled by white hats. As if to, again, confuse people about the entire narrative as a whole, but also in an effort to throw people under the bus and then stir the public debate and conversation in order to get the people and even politicians against other politicians. Because in one fell swoop, the entire Canadian parliament looked foolish. They also look foolish because it's kind of a follow the leader kind of thing. One person says, we're all going to do this, and then everybody goes, yes, we're all going to do it. It's the exact same as all of the Democrat and Republican members of the House and Senate wearing the Ukraine lapel pin. You know, a year or so ago, when they're all doing whatever they're doing regarding Ukraine, and they're all wearing their Ukraine lapel pin. It's a giant show. And it's showing people, literally, that these individuals don't think. That they're laundering money, and they're just playing follow the leader right off a cliff. But they're exposing themselves to the public. So again, why would they do that in in the Canadian Parliament on purpose if it wasn't being controlled by somebody at some level and completely scripted in order to throw individuals under the bus? So the Speaker of the House, who may or may not be a pedophile, probably blackmailed in in some form or fashion, he got thrown under the bus, then he resigns the very next day. Then Justin Trudeau's got cameras and microphones in his face, and what he, well, I mean, what is he saying? He's saying, well, uh, it's Russian disinformation. I mean, he's, he's a pathological liar. Not to mention he was just in India with a plane full of cocaine and rumors spreading about him being in his hotel room coked out of his mind for a couple of days and, and missing dinners and missing meetings because he's on drugs. My point is this. My overall point is, is there are always operations taking place to expose people. And even in the Q posts, it specifically says, watch the resignations. Watch the resignations. Endless people are being set up to expose countless other things, in particular, the overall umbrella point, I think, which is just blatant hypocrisy. It's being done for that, but it's also being done to show individuals that these politicians do not think as individuals. They just operate as a giant collective all of the time. So I didn't speak about it earlier. I didn't say anything about it necessarily on, on Gab or anything else. I just wanted to make mention of it here in this episode because I find it comical. I find it absolutely comical. Again, who's to know that this guy really fought for the German army? And again, even there's an there's a individual in the UK by the name of uh, Carpe Donctum. This individual was sent to jail for, for taking pictures of his dog doing a Roman salute which was hilarious, I think. But, I mean, he was thrown in jail for that by the UK government. Uh, 
this and you know that same individual then of course is out of jail and and came out and uh, and on Twitter said, hey look, if this guy fought with the German army, you know he has my full support, one hundred percent. If he fought against the Bolsheviks, he deserves a medal. And I mean that's true. But then again, who's to say it's not some you know some old timer from the Alzheimer's wing of uh, of the old folks home down the road? And the entire thing was just scripted, and. It's not that everybody in the room knew what was going on. It's possible that endless people didn't. Point is, is everybody was made to look like an ass. And it led to the resignation of the Speaker of the House, and now you've got more people on both sides of the so-called aisle calling for the resignation of Justin Trudeau. Again, is it, is it a distraction on, on the bad guy's part? I don't know. Is it is it a is it just you know a, a purposeful setup on the part of the good guys? I don't know, but don't take things at face value. Is essentially the lesson I think. I've spent way too much on this subject already, but you get what I'm saying. Just don't take don't take everything at face value. And uh, anytime somebody's throwing the term Nazi around again, understand the history of the term. It was created by a member of the media, of the Marxist Jewish media, to be a derogatory term against the German people and the German army as, in, as if to mean the word ignats or stupid. So they didn't call themselves that. We wouldn't call ourselves stupid or retarded or anything else if we were walking around or operating. So the, the entire thing had to be a psychological operation. That's basically my whole point. So there you go. And certainly to expose people. And like I said, expose the hypocrisy of individuals. So I just wanted to make mention of that. Okay. I got a few emails here that I want to read from some listeners of the show. And one in particular here I'm going to start off with. This again comes from our Michigan business owner. And they sent me a thing here about home sales in BlackRock. And I want to read through this. And then a slight update also from a previous story that they mentioned, which again has to do with the closing of businesses. And then that's going to lead into a third email, which again is the big picture here. What's really happening and, and, and what is certainly down the line? Because again, we can connect dots and we can follow a particular path. And we can certainly see that there's a lot of damage being done without a doubt and has been for quite some time regarding the economy and the medical industry and illness as a whole. And, uh, and, and their email really does a nice job of, I think, of summing it up. But let me get to this first. The Michigan business owner said the following. They said, my associate is a realtor in Michigan. He's been telling me for a year that the market is terrible because of inflation. To make matters worse, he just found out that BlackRock is making all cash offers on houses for sale. Their other technique is this. Let's say you list your home at $200,000. People can bid less, people can bid more, but the home will sell to the highest bidder. BlackRock comes in and bids $500,000 on a property worth $200,000 because, after they win the bid, the amount they owe legally has to be adjusted down to the current value of the home. This technique skirts the system and makes them the winner. The system is supposedly set up like this to prevent home sellers from price fixing. And then they said the third technique is this. And I'm going to play this little clip that they sent me, so give this a listen. But in America now, we have, in every major city in America, we have 
uh, real estate brokers, I think they're brokers, but they, they advertise, if we don't sell your house in 30 days, we'll buy it for the price you're asking. They don't have the money to buy the house. What's happened is Wall Street money and hedge fund money has been, because uh, our Federal Reserve has been printing money like or so tomorrow, these hedge fund uh, operators are coming in with cash and buying up homes all across America. That's why we have no inventory here in America anymore. They're buying it up and they're renting it back to people. Well, they're not putting those houses back up on the market again. The seller just wants to rent them. That's a man by the name of Patrick Wood. And again, he's basically saying that places like BlackRock are buying up these properties and then they're just renting them out, which of course begs the question, which is kind of common sense. Who is it that they're interested in renting them to? They know that they can make more money renting them to, frankly, anybody, but they can also rent them to illegals. Because if illegals are given a debit card and they're given a cell phone with preloaded money on the debit card and they're told to get a job or whatever, they can rent these out to illegals as the day is long because theoretically it's just government money. So it's almost like money laundering, in my head anyway, it's almost like money laundering from BlackRock through the government. And again, it's almost like BlackRock owns the government anyway. But then they're just using the illegal aliens and the home rentals as the filter of this money as a way to actually launder it. So I, I don't know. It's, it's awful. We've all seen those signs on the sides of the road that say, we'll buy your house for cash, this, that, and the other. And there's a way more nefarious scheme behind the scenes here that's clearly taking place. I've also heard of this thing regarding these home auctions where they won't use a realtor per se, but they'll just have an auction. So a person will seek to sell a house. And then if you want to show up and you want to place a bid on the home, everybody sort of shows up at the exact same time. And then you just start bidding. 100,000. Do I hear 125? There's 125. Do I have 150? Then people just keep raising their little, you know, their little hand placards and, and basically, again, bidding on a house, and whoever gets it is, you know, whoever the highest bidder is ends up winning the house. What they probably don't know is that one of the associates of BlackRock, or at the very least, again, anybody who is connected to them in any kind of way, is there with a giant wallet, and they're ready to write a check for the highest bid no matter what. So they see how high it goes to see what people are willing to pay for it. And then they end up holding up their their hand placard at the last second and say, well, I'll bid 100000 over what this last person did. And then it ends up going to that person. And then, of course, the scheme that was just laid out here makes total sense because then they drop the price back down. The person who bid the most doesn't really have to pay that much. And then they rent the house and, uh, you know, your American hardworking family doesn't get it. But it ends up being given to illegal aliens for rent paid by the government. So I don't know. It's possible. No doubt about it. It's definitely possible. They also sent me this. This is an update again from another business owner friend of theirs that they are familiar with. It was a family-owned business. And again, this, this has been rampant throughout the entire country for a long time, certainly within the last three years. But the lockdowns just crushed endless businesses. 
And it really does beg the question of all of the businesses that have been crushed, in particular family-owned businesses, how many of them actually come back once they leave them? Once they sell them, do they ever think about rebuilding them? And again, this is a giant on purpose, and this has, of course, happened, no doubt about it. They said the following, quote, Remember how I told you about the hotel and the chain restaurant who Governor Whitmer put through absolute hell? and neither got that PPP uh, COVID business assistance, even though they both tried. I do recall. They said the restaurant sold its other locations during COVID to stay afloat. They said, well, last night, they put their only remaining location up for sale. This restaurant has been in their family for multiple generations. They own the land it sits on outright. They are selling it all. The worst part is, They're selling it only for the price of the land because things have become that bad. Buy the land, get a free turnkey multi-generational restaurant. It damn near brought me to tears. The owner was saying the restaurant wholesale case of chicken wings used to be $29. Now it's $99 plus. People don't want to pay $18 plus for six wings and a side of blue cheese. No kidding. No kidding. It's expensive to eat out, and I can only imagine what it's like for the business owners themselves. I mean, it's it's a nightmare. In the second part of the email, they said this, because I replied to them and I said, I don't know how this gets fixed. I said, it's going to have to be a level of good guy military intervention, the likes of which we've never even seen before, which is possible, or, of course, it's going to be us. And they elaborated. And uh, and they said this. They said, I'll try to be an optimist, but I also have to be a realist. I don't think there is any way of fixing this. I see one of the following happening. Number one, the optimist. Q posts, Trump has it all. There really is a plan, yada, yada. The new DOJ Smartmatic indictment in Patrick Burns' video gives me a, a sliver of hope. No doubt about it. The other thing, too, is, is that Donald Trump keeps saying that he's basically still in charge. He keeps saying it in his speeches. He said he would be back in five months. That puts him back in office, or it's certainly back in the public eye or in charge from, as far as the normie public is concerned, in February. So that's, that's an interesting thing for him to say. I would also add this. You know, I followed Derek Johnson on, uh, on Telegram, and he follows the planes. He, of course, follows the executive orders and what the executive orders specifically mean regarding the commander-in-chief and being a wartime president and a thousand other things. But he follows the plane movements. And one of the interesting things is, is as a result of one of the executive orders that was signed, every single American airport can be used as a military airport now. And this has been the case for quite some time. So military aircraft can fly into your local airport, military aircraft can fly into a major city's airport. It doesn't have to be a military base airport of any kind. And he shows how this is consistently happening. So there's another silver silver lining there too. Again, we are certainly living through a confusing time because there's a thousand different things taking place at multiple dimensions. But finding some peace in some of the things that certainly seem out of the regular or out of the norm, I think that right there is plenty of reason to be optimistic about a great deal of very good things that are happening. I have no doubt we're being invaded. 
I have no doubt that the that the borders are certainly open. We're seeing all of this footage. We're seeing into, again countless illegals make their way to major cities. But given the fact that he's still the commander in chief, and that is a fact, there's also ample proof that he's sending people back to the countries where they came from. Again, Derek Johnson's covered this too, where he shows airplanes and in particular C-130s and other large cargo airplanes moving from major southern cities like San Antonio back to Mexico. So I'm not saying that illegals aren't coming here. They certainly are. And we're seeing plenty of footage of that. But uh, I'm certain that plenty of them are being sent back too. Not to mention Donald Trump consistently states that, and he's saying it with certainty, that he's going to engage in the largest deportation uh, operation that's ever taken place in the history of our country. That would involve an active application of the National Guard nationwide, which, as we know, has been federalized now. So every state army is the nation's army now. And it's been that way again for a good deal of time. So there's plenty to be optimistic about, and there's lots of signs everywhere. This was their second thing. They said the re- uh, them being a realist. They said, but if they are allowed to steal 2024, then in my opinion, we are absolutely effed. They will jam through everything and anything as the clock ticks away to Agenda 2030. My, ca- my comment on that is, yeah, and that's assuming, I mean, I agree with it, but that's assuming that the 2024 election even takes place. I am of the opinion that something is going to happen between now and then that's going to have military intervention, which is going to force paper ballots in a military-controlled election. It'll have, to, it'll have to be that way. Regardless of who runs against Donald Trump, all of that, as far as I'm concerned, is irrelevant. What's relevant is what's going to lead up to the 2024 election and then What's going to happen during that time that's going to cause the 2024 one-day, singular-day, military-led election to take place? Whether it's, again, a real event, a manufactured event, a series of events, I'm not sure. But keep in mind, it would all be happening on Joe Biden's watch, allegedly, as far as, again, the normie public is concerned from an optics standpoint. It would look like that. Well, Joe Biden is uh, is using the military to intervene on the elections because he wants them to be the safest and most secure humanly possible, keeping in mind that endless states are doing away with their mail-in ballots and their drop boxes, and that's consistently happening. Not to mention, of course, like they said earlier, the Smartmatic indictment. That's a big deal. The voting machines can't be used the way that they were, certainly in certain states. So all of this seems to be leading to something, in my opinion, that is going to happen before the actual election day of 2024, but it will trigger what will actually happen on that day. And I think that'll be very interesting, whatever that is. I don't think we should believe it, necessarily, but we should certainly just, you know, muse about it for a while and theorize and, uh, and arrive at calm, logical conclusions the best we can. The third thing they said, which is this, they said, this brings me to the final option, which is going to be quite literally war. 
in which case it's going to be us, the people, who are healthy and have mental clarity versus geoengineering attacks, 5G weapon attacks, biological warfare attacks like we have never seen before, and none of us should pretend we are prepared. So sick of people saying, bring it on, I'm armed to the teeth. Shut the F up, fool. Uh, your room full of guns can't protect against microwave radiation and geoengineered 75-pound hail balls <laughs> like that. Uh, that would hit and, uh, let's see, that hit Michigan or, that hit Michigan and Sweden. Yeah, it's true. It's 100% true. We're not going to be shooting hail balls out of the sky. Um, these holograms they have now are so advanced that you can touch them, talk to them, and I know our side wouldn't believe a UFO crashing in the middle of our street, but what if it was a little girl all alone begging for someone to help her? How many brave patriots would unlock their door and run into the street to be a hero? This is not going to be a gun war. It's going to be far worse. And to all the people who think they are survivalists because they're 48 years old, enjoy camping in the woods or the summer weekends, go watch the show alone. Watch multiple seasons. Literal survival experts can't survive a full year on their own. That show is going to give you an idea of what it's going to be like if there's no grocery store, no electricity, no cushy bed because you lost your house in a wildfire. And don't forget NASA said that they're going to poison us in 2025, kill the power grid, bioattacks. I have a Substack post about it, uh, 2024 or bust. Unquote. There's certainly plenty on the table. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, the, the bad guys have lots of things they want to do to us in lots of different ways that they can squeeze us. And as we know, water is one of those things that's been talked about for decades, limiting the amount of water and clean water that people have access to. If you do that, then everything shuts down. So, Wanted to bring those to your attention. Again, I like the theorizing. I like the critical thought. This is, this is something that you know a number of people aren't doing, and it's certainly necessary to do. Again, highlighting the dots and connecting them the best that we can and playing out multiple scenarios in our head, that's the mark of a critical thinker, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No doubt about it. It's the people that arrive, I think, at, at hardened conclusions and then cross their arms and get a frown on their face and say, it's going to be this way and no other way. Well, we don't know that. And that person doing that doesn't know that either. So we get to sort of just bob and weave and ebb and flow you know, in the ether here and, and see what's taking place. But we need to be on solid ground regarding a number of different very real things that are certainly occurring. Here's another email I received from a listener. They said the following. They said, quote, Sean, assuming that the jabbed population doesn't have much time left and something akin to the forecast published in the Daigle Report comes to fruition over the next couple of years, what's next for the unjabbed survivors? Markets would collapse. Production and transportation of all kinds of products would go to shit and the powers that be would undoubtedly blame the effects of the vaccine on something else, like a new pandemic or a virus. Of course, those are in quotes, and they know that those aren't real. They continued, they said, perhaps this is what the open borders and mass immigration is partially about, to replace the Western jab zombies once the jab has done its thing, quote-unquote. 
then full authoritarian control, and CBDC forced on a low IQ third world population and small minority of unjabbed awake people. There's a lot of ways this could play out, I suppose. None of them are very fun to think about. However, if the jabs truly are a depopulation scheme that will be accelerating in the near future, then they're unjabbed then the unjabbed, rather, need to start thinking about what comes next in a world with a lot less people in it. Food for thought, best regards, unquote. Again, I agree. You've heard me bring this up with regularity. It's, a bas- it's basic math. It's a basic math problem. If we have higher, higher illness, higher cost for everything, certainly based on illness and insurance costs and a thousand other things, you're going to have individuals not wanting to pay for their insurance anymore certainly their their medical insurance. And you may recall, again, think about this one, you may recall the old Obamacare stuff. Remember when they were penalizing people for not having insurance? Imagine what it would be like after a biological weapon attack under the guise of a pandemic, quote-unquote, that is all shot-induced, which is what we're experiencing now, and say, for example, you weren't, you, you didn't receive the shots, or maybe even you did, but you didn't want the health insurance because it was too high, it wouldn't matter. You would still be penalized for it then. If that remained in place, those individuals who couldn't afford anything would still be fined for not having health insurance, which means they'd still not be able to make ends meet. It's, they would still be going into debt. I think that the elimination of that Obamacare mandate, that that particular aspect of Obamacare was not only purposeful, but the good guys knew what was coming down the line regarding illness on a mass scale. And and of course, poverty and inflation the way that it is and the purposeful hiking of, of all of these prices based on a collapsing system. They knew it. They knew that it was going to take place. So this way, at the very least, if someone doesn't want health insurance and they want to be their own doctor, as they should, frankly, and rightfully so, at least this way they're not being fined for not having it. That, of course, isn't what Obama wanted, and that's not even what Republicans seem to give a damn about. But yeah, there's a lot of scenarios here is the overall point. And like I said earlier, it's basic math. If you don't have the people to do the job, then either the job goes away or The optimistic silver lining in all of it, I think, is that it creates more opportunity for other individuals to potentially make more money doing a particular job where in the past it wouldn't have have paid off as well. It's hard to know, but it's it's an interesting scenario. And like I said earlier, there's multiple scenarios. So we're just going to keep paying attention to it the best that we can. And frankly, again, even as we're paying attention to it, it's it's sad because again, business owners like the one I mentioned earlier, they uh, you know they're still they're still suffering. They're still having to give up a multi generational family restaurant because they have no other choice. So, regardless of the uh, of the scenario and regardless of the theorizing, there are hardened realities that are still taking place here that are causing endless individuals to do things that they never would have wanted to do. And clearly government isn't helping because that's not their job, really. Their job is, of course, to destroy people and enslave them. 
and uh, and and that's working also. So it is a war. It's that simple. Whether it be a psychological, physical, uh, geopolitical, financially, I mean, it does it doesn't matter. It, we are at war. This is just more evidence of it. And uh, you know, rebuilding our country. However, it gets rebuilt in the future, it has to be rebuilt in a far more simple way. We have too many laws on the books for all of the wrong things, and we don't have enough laws for the things that should be in place. So that pretty much wraps up that as far as as far as I can tell right now. Um, before I get into some education-related things, I do want to mention this. thought this was kind of interesting and don't even know how uh, how often this takes place, but this happened the other day too. This is out of the... Arizona State Treasurer's Office, a Kimberly Yee, who, of course, is the Arizona State Treasurer. And uh, they said the following here, and this is also from their direct Twitter account, so it's legit. They said, quote, I have been notified that I will be serving as acting governor beginning later this evening, which was the 27th, until mid-morning tomorrow, the 28th. While I am pleased to step into this role, I will refrain from naming directors to the 13 agencies that currently have vacancies and will not call the Arizona legislature into session to confirm them. That being said, I do hope when the governor returns to Arizona, she will promptly name qualified directors to these important state agencies and remove the legal, un, uh, I'm sorry, legal uncertainty that exists for all of the regulatory actions taken by the agencies. I expect to see a swift resolution to this matter so we can get back to getting the work done for Arizona taxpayers. The people of Arizona deserve leaders who follow the rule of law, unquote. Interesting statement, interesting timing. Makes you wonder where uh, Katie Hobbs is, doesn't it? Was she detained for a little while? Was she... Uh, Brought in by the special forces, like we could theorize about that all day long. But an interesting move. And again, I don't know how often a treasurer takes over for a governor, so to speak. We know she's not the legal governor, really. We know that there was voter fraud, and we know that Carrie Lake is the the legal governor, so to speak, of uh, of Arizona. But wow, how often does that actually happen? I'm not sure. Interesting, nonetheless. Okay, few education-related things. Uh, first of all, this this first story very quickly will kind of lead into the next one. This was an email that was sent, sort of like an email ad that was sent to a family member, and then a family member moved it to my mom, and then my mom moved it to me. Rather odd, I think here, but it is a website that is called KidsCasting.com. K-I-D-S and then casting.com. This website is disturbing, to say the least. Uh, it says, find the next casting call for your kids. TV, film, print, and commercial auditions for babies, toddlers, and teens. And then it shows different locations where they have different jobs where uh, they can be paid for you know $500 a day, again, whether it be for photo shoots apparently or acting gigs or commercial gigs or all kinds of stuff. It's beyond strange. And at the very bottom, there are a couple of uh, rather interesting things here. First of all, if you click on the Contact Us, this is based out of Wilmington, Delaware. Now, 
who is it that has a residence in Wilmington, Delaware? Isn't it Joe Biden and his family? This is Kids Casting 501 Silverside Road, Suite 306, Wilmington, Delaware, 19809. They have uh, email here, support at kidscasting.com, and then concierge at kidscasting.com with two separate phone numbers. 1-800-981-1902, and then the casting director support. That that first one was talent support. And then the next one, casting director support, 1-800-846-5578. This is disturbing. It also says at the very bottom of the website, it says, disclaimer, kids casting is not a talent agency employer or a talent scout. It says the site is only a venue. Kids Casting does not promise or facilitate employment. The number of casting calls available varies by location, roles available, and the level of experience required. As with any business, results may vary and will be based on individual capacity, experience, expertise, and level of desire. There are no guarantees concerning the level of income the user may experience. And that's really about it. Uh, Again, very disturbing. Very disturbing. Uh, You know, they've got pictures of little kids all over this thing. Their first names, star ratings. Um, Just, it's just disturbing. I, I just can't for the life of me figure out what parent in this day and age, with everything that exists, would whore their kids out for something like this. It's beyond disgusting. But there are parents who do. And they claim to, again, have a parent academy that, um, I don't know, educates parents on how your kid can be a model and what we can do for even the parents to help them support their kid who wants to get into the industry and all this other stuff. They have a reviews page too, whether it's to be believed or not is another story, but it just looks like a giant pedophile playground essentially. So I wanted to bring that to your attention, not so that you participate, of course, because it's gross, um, but it's just beyond disturbing. And these kinds of things, unfortunately, still exist and continue to take place. So there's that. That leads me to this now. Uh, Cicely sent this my way. This is from naturalnews.com, and it is titled the following, Outrage, Maine High School Slips Antidepressant Zoloft into Students' Secret Take-Home Baggie, then calls CPS on Dad for finding out and complaining about it. It says a taxpayer... I'm sorry, here we go. A taxpayer-funded health clinic operating within Lawrence High School in Fairfield, Maine, is uh, reportedly seeking, uh, secretly rather, drugging its students with antidepressants without telling their parents about it. And if you say anything about it, the school might call Child Protective Services on you. This is what allegedly happened to Eric Sack, the father of a girl who attended Lawrence High School. The child was reportedly sent home with a secret baggie filled with prescription antidepressant drugs like Zoloft that came from the school's Bulldog Health Center, which is a federally funded school-based health center. When Sack discovered the pills, 
immediately addressed this affront to the parental rights to his parental rights rather by contacting Lawrence High School principal Dan Bowers to complain about the undisclosed drug treatment protocol the school prescribed his daughter without his consent. Bowers told Sack that he's not responsible responsible for what happened because the SBHC is a separate entity from the school that is not under his control even though it operates on school property and provides healthcare services for the school's students. Okay. I can take this a lot of ways here. Wow. I can take this a lot of ways. First of all, two things that I have to revisit from the past. Number one, you you may recall a story I told a long time ago. I even wrote about this story in my first book, but there was uh I once worked with a female school teacher who who purposefully physically assaulted a female student outside of the middle school where I was working during a fire drill as we were just kind of standing and standing in line as you do in a fire drill just talking and it was me and this female student and we were talking and I was talking in front of her class so everybody saw me there and it wasn't my class during the time but a uh a female teacher walked right in between me and the female student and shouldered her to the ground and knocked her to the ground. This was all done on camera. Later that day, if not the very next day, I think it was the very next day, that female student, of course, was in that female teacher's math class. That female student, um, and I, of course, reported all of this, and I told her to tell her parents and then and then file a complaint against the teacher. The next day, that student was in that female teacher's math class and walked up to the female teacher and asked to go to the nurse because she had a cut on her hand. She received the cut on her hand from the back of the chair on the at the desk where she was because there the the little like rubber stopper thing on the back of the bolt of the chair was off and she ended up cutting her hand on that on that loose bolt. The school teacher told her, "Yeah, go go ahead and go down to the nurse." As she was walking down to the nurse, the female math teacher picked up the phone and told the nurse over the phone in front of other people in the class. Again, as the student was walking down to the nurse's office, that she believed that her hand had been burned by a cigarette, potentially from her parents, and that this could have been a cigarette burn and that CPS may need to get involved. Now, again, long story short, the entire thing was a lie. And the nurse again asked the student, how did they get the cut? And they said, I got it inside of the math teacher's room based on the back of a chair. And she said, that's not a cigarette burn. And she said, cigarette burn? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? She said, no, it's not a cigarette burn. I just did it in her math class. So again, it, sh- it, it should show people the level of lying that, that teachers will go to in order to try to discredit a student for either one reason or multiple reasons, but it does happen with regularity. Regarding this particular drug case, this brings up something I've brought up in the past, which is we're seeing more and more hospitals and urgent care centers that are not associated with the districts, school districts themselves, but they're showing up on the properties and building buildings on school property, very close to the school buildings themselves. And then they are taking in K-12 students as patients, so to speak, out of the seeing eye of the parents. And then clearly, in this case, giving them 
uh, antidepressant drugs. And I mean, let's face it, they could be giving them any kinds of drugs. They could be giving them puberty blockers or, again, more antidepressants like this, birth control, a thousand things. They could be giving them a thousand things. But the point is, is they're doing it away from school employees and they're doing it away from the watchful eye of parents. We have to assume that this is happening with regularity. All more reason to get your children out of these environments. And again, the real foolishness, I think, in all of this, too, would be whether or not the parents would actually send their child back to that school, knowing that that hospital is right there. You certainly wouldn't want to do that. And this individual is clearly old enough to read and write. They don't need to go into any of these environments, let alone the hospitals that are right around the corner or, again, on the exact same property. So it's beyond strange, but this is what's happening. It's more government intervention on the lives of children while wedging out the parent. So again, it's a constant thing, and it's not going to go away. But always keep your eye out for, again, these urgent care centers and these small-time hospitals that pop up on the property or are very close to the property of schools. It's becoming, uh, it's becoming a bit of a trend. There was also this. This hit the news earlier this week. In fact, I saw it, I think, for the first time over the weekend. Very strange. I'm not sure I have a ready explanation for this either, but this is from the New York Post, and it has to do with Cleveland children in Cleveland, Ohio. It says, more than 1,000 kids reported missing in Ohio this year in extraordinary surge. It says, children are disappearing from northern Ohio in record numbers with more than 1,000 minors reported missing so far this year. See, here's the thing. Kids don't disappear. They don't disappear. They're being kidnapped. They're being trafficked. Something serious is going on here, without a doubt. It says more than 45 children have gone missing in the Cleveland-Akron area this month alone. And in August, there were more than 35 missing minors, according to the Ohio Attorney General's Missing Children's website. The disappearance, disappearances rather are creating a disturbing trend in northern Ohio, which began in May when nearly 30 children went missing in just a few, I'm sorry, in just the first two weeks of the month. It says officials at the time called it an extraordinary surge in disappearances. Again, they're, they're not disappearing. They're being taken someplace. They're being snatched up. And uh, these, are all, these are all minors. These are all people below the age of 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, and younger. So they, they, don't, they don't provide any kind of a ready explanation as to why this is the case. Uh, they're just saying, you know, keep an eye on your kids and uh, stay vigilant and know where they are all the time. Well, that should go without saying. So what's really going on here? Again, Mike DeWine is all about Ukraine. Mike DeWine is all about Haiti. Mike DeWine is all about the kids. And people have to understand the history of Ohio, too. It's always had mob ties everywhere from Cincinnati all the way through Cleveland and Toledo and so on and so on. I mean, the mob is everywhere. But child trafficking is a big, big deal. I know that's the obvious statement of the century. But it's, it's got child trafficking written all over it, uh, sex trafficking, organ harvesting, who's to know? Again, there's no real happy ending to that. They don't have a solution. The, you know. Attorney General's office didn't provide any ready solution. Just keep an eye on your kids and do the best you can. Know where they are all the time and 
Make sure that they're constantly communicating with you as to where they are. I mean, look, a kid can be kidnapped walking their dog down the street, walking out of a school. Hell, the schools might be involved. They might be directly involved, too. Why not? Why not at this point? You've heard me say that state departments of education engage in child trafficking. They certainly do. They have very nefarious ties to these kinds of organizations. So I'm I'm just shocked that in this day and age, individuals are still sending their kids to American schools. It blows me away. It will continue to blow me away. They're criminal organizations. And if they aren't directly, then they are they are certainly indirectly. They're criminal organizations without knowing it. So I don't know what else to say regarding that. Uh, okay, moving on here. Jab-related stuff. Let me get into, into the symposium very quick before I bring up some jab-related news. I did want to mention this. Again, this comes from uh, Dr. Mai Halasia's website, if I've just butchered her name yet again. There's a five-hour symposium here taking place on Friday. September 20, I'm sorry, not 27th. I know what date it is. The 29th. There we go. It says on September 29th, the live stream symposium of attorneys, physicians, and other experts will discuss the dangers of FEMA's October 4th emergency alert and other issues related to 5G. Uh, they're going to describe a number of different things, of course. A lot of different speakers. And again, it's going to be on the Vax Choice channel on CloudHub. So that's where they're going to live stream it. Uh, it is from, again, 12 noon to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, if you're interested in checking that out. It also looks like it's going to be airing, so they say, on a website titled American Media Periscope. I'm sure they're going to be repeating themselves regarding a number of different things, but at least they're all meeting, and I don't think it costs any money to listen in and, and to watch it. So I'm sure it's going to be remarkably informative one way or another. Okay, let me mention this too. This comes from KTRH News Radio out of Houston, Texas, I believe. And it is titled CDC Data COVID Deaths, quote unquote, plummeted once federal money for hospitals ran out. Now, as you may recall, everybody was dying of COVID, quote unquote, back in the day. Uh, even if you died in a car accident, they would test your body and say, well, they died of COVID. Because they had to, because if they did, they got more cash. But once all that COVID cash started to run out, then all of a sudden the so-called COVID deaths just disappeared. Anyway, the article says the following. A UC Berkeley scholar uses the CDC's own data to suggest a sharp decline in COVID deaths, once federal reimbursements to hospitals ended, it says after the $178 billion in CARES Act money for the Provider Relief Fund, quote unquote, dried up. In January of 2022, hospital coders were no longer required to list COVID as cause of death. It says, quote, they got paid individually for positive tests. If you got ventilated, if you died of a COVID related death, it was $70,000 plus. It was really high numbers, says Jennifer Bridges, a former nurse at Houston Methodist Hospital. The hospitals were actually trying to get them to switch the cause of death to COVID-related so they could get higher reimbursements. Some of them did, but the ones that I know lost their jobs because they refused to. Because they refused to. 
They said, no, that's unethical. We're not doing that. Bridges among those, is among those suing Houston Methodist after being fired for refusing the COVID vaccine. Quote, we still have 113 people strong, all the way from doctors to dietary, physical therapy nurses. You name it, they're on our lawsuit, she says. And this is still happening. I mean, people have to understand this is still going on. You still have endless individuals either marking COVID as a cause of death, whether they're getting paid or not. They're still using the fraudulent tests. The tests are still being referenced with regularity. I heard just the other day again on the radio, so-and-so tested positive for COVID. And I'm saying to myself, who's, who's still doing this? Who is it that is still believing any of this and doing this? The brainwashing is just beyond, beyond thick. But these hospital environments, I'm telling you, they are responsible for so much murder. It's absolutely incalculable. You cannot calculate the amount of murder that's taken place here. There's also these two charts with, which have been making the rounds. I put them up on Gab. Uh, this is from powerlineblog.com. It says the daily chart follow the COVID money. It says supposedly we're on the cusp of or already in the middle of another COVID variant outbreak. Of course, that's fake. With cause, with calls rather for reviving mask and vaccine mandates, the branch COVIDians will not be denied. Funny thing, though, it's merely a coincidence that the sharp drop in COVID diagnosis co- coincided rather with the end of federal reimbursement for COVID cases. And it shows a chart here where the drop off of COVID diagnoses within hospital environments clearly occurred from, I would say, December of 2021 until about March of 2022, which is where it flatlined. And then it bumped up a little bit a couple of months later and then has remained relatively stagnant. But as of May of 2023 this year, it's dropped back down again to where it was essentially in March of 2022. So there are still some places that are receiving the money, but the vast majority of the money for diagnosing people, uh, of course, inaccurately as a COVID death, quote unquote, occurred from February of 2020 all the way until about February or January of 2022. And it can't be a clear drop off. So it's during those years again when the COVID cash was going out. If you tested somebody, if you rammed a stick down into their brain and pulled it out and said, oh, you've got COVID, even if they didn't, the mere practice of testing somebody was bringing those individuals money. This is exactly why they set up all of those drive through testing places in the middle of parking lots in the middle of nowhere. It was just designed to bring in more cash from the dummies. Not that you had to pay for a test because you didn't. They, all, they sold them as being free, but they all had quotas. All the hospitals and, and their separate associations had quotas that they wanted to meet, and they wanted to do all of that, of course, because it was all about the cash. So there you go. Okay. So what damage is the jab continuing to do? Got a number of articles here first from Dr. Mackis that I just want to read through again, some of the headlines uh, as I've been doing here recently. These, of course, come directly from his substack, which is uh, MacusMD.substack.com. 
His substack is also titled COVID Intel. This first article titled Pilot Death, Alaska Airlines pilot, 37 years old, Captain Eric McRae, based in Seattle, died suddenly on September 23rd, 2023, in his hotel room during a layover. Now, I have to re-mention this. You recall the uh, hair salon owner who I brought up previously in the town where I live passing away in New York City. People have to understand, again, these major cities are loaded with 5G. And we know the impact that 5G is having on the jab. So again, was the hair salon owner jabbed? I'd, I'd bet my right hand on it. Being in a high 5G environment like that, is that going to have a negative impact on them? You bet. And a number of these individuals, again, are, are dying in their hotel rooms because they're jabbed and, well, they're around 5G. Don't know how else to say it, but this is a thing. And they, they don't know that. Neither do countless other people. Here's another one. Turbo cancer in doctors. Young COVID-19 vaccinated doctors are developing aggressive turbo cancers. 54 doctors, he lists, and their tragic stories. He's got a 44-year-old doctor here, a Charles Malpass, out of North Carolina. Graduated from the University of North Carolina, but was an uh, employee at the University of Virginia in their school of medicine. How do you possibly explain this among your coworkers? You know, the, I mean, these working environments, in particular within academia and the medical profession, uh, they're, they're sick constantly. They're dropping dead. How, how, are you, how are you justifying that? How on earth are these people justifying this? Here's another one he, he has here from uh, September 26th. mRNA vaccines in farm animals. Pork, beef, shrimp. Self-amplifying mRNA vaccines for livestock, cattle, and swine outbreaks anticipated, quote-unquote, Australia building mRNA capacity, and he reviews nine separate articles. Again, all having to do with the food industry and uh, the mRNA vaccines, and this dates back to August 9th of 2022 also. So there's that. Here's another one. Uh, Pilot incapacitated. Austrian Airlines flight OS-188, uh, Stuttgart to Vienna, September 24th of 2023. The captain became incapacitated. First officer took control of aircraft and descended toward Vienna. Completely normal. And then, of course, he lists a bunch of other pilot incapacitations and deaths, certainly within the last couple of months. Alaska Airlines, Air Canada, Qatar Airlines, United Airlines, a number of different airlines. Undeniable. There's this one too. This one was making the rounds beyond bizarre. The level of stupidity here is next level. It is titled World First MRNA Cancer Vaccine. 56-year-old Australian Dr. Richard Scholar was diagnosed with worst possible brain turbo cancer. He's now receiving world's first mRNA cancer vaccine to treat mRNA turbo cancer. The guy's doubling down. These people, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's, it's a certain kind of special when, when they offer themselves up to quote-unquote science, when in fact it's not science, it's eugenics. 
whether he's doing it willingly, you know, for, for as uh, as a science experiment for himself or not, is is another is another matter. And I could frankly care less. But this guy says again, he's you know, puts this out on Twitter. He's taking more mRNA jabs to try to cure the thing that the initial mRNA jabs caused. I, you know, I, I, I'm speechless. I'm just speechless. This, this kind of stupidity and pride-filled behavior and, and whatever, whatever it is, it, it goes way beyond virtue signaling. I mean, this is, this is just stupid. It's just flat out stupid. So, kiss, uh, you know, kiss your ass goodbye, buddy, because you're not going to make it. But hey, you think you're doing well? Jokes on you. Uh, you're not. You're not. Here's another one. Another pilot incapacitation. Delta flight DL nine two nine one rather. CDG LAX Paris to Los Angeles. On September 22nd, pilot became incapacitated, was taken to cabin for care, plane diverted to Minneapolis, pilot taken to hospital. Completely normal. All of this just completely normal. Here's the last one, mRNA injury series vaginal bleeding after COVID-19 mRNA vaccination. September 22nd, 2023 paper by Blix and others is making waves, but the real truth is far worse. Nine papers reviewed and VAERS reporting. Okay, I want to get into that specific article right now about the unexpected vaginal bleeding. I've got it here at Science Advances or science.org. It is titled, Unexpected Vaginal Bleeding and COVID-19 Vaccination in Non-Menstruating Women. Here's the abstract, and this is about all I have to read. In association between coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19, not what it stands for, but we're moving on, vaccination and vaginal bleeding among non-menstruating women is not well studied. The Norwegian Institute of Public Health followed several cohorts throughout the pandemic and early performed a systematic data collection of self-reported unexpected vaginal bleeding in non-menstruating women. Among 7,725 postmenopausal women, 7,148 premenopausal women, or perimenopausal women rather, and 7,052 premenopausal women, 3.3, 14 and 13.1% experienced unexpected vaginal bleeding during a period of eight to nine months, respectively. The postmenopausal women the risk of unexpected vaginal bleeding, i.e. postmenopausal bleeding, in the four weeks after COVID-19 vaccination was increased two to three-fold compared to a pre-vaccination period. The corresponding risk of unexpected vaginal bleeding after vaccination was increased three to five-fold in both non-menstruating, peri- and pre-menopausal women. In the premenopausal women, spike vax was associated with 32% increased as compared to Cormanetti, if that's even real. Uh, our results must be confirmed in future studies, they said. Yes. Again, this isn't a new thing. 
This is one of those things that has been happening since the onset of the jabs. I remember first hearing about this on the five docs back in April of 2021. And it's not just among shot recipients, it's among those who haven't received the shots and are in fact around those who have received the shots. So we're also again talking about young girls who haven't menstruated yet, and then we're talking about postmenopausal women who shouldn't be menstruating anymore. This is this is continuing to happen. I want to mention this last article here. This is from over a year ago in June of 2022, and it was published in Helion, if I'm saying that right, uh, certainly a medical journal. Uh, and it is titled, Possible Toxicity of Chronic Carbon Dioxide Exposure Associated with Face Mask Use, Particularly in Pregnant Women, Children, and Adolescents, a Scoping Review. There are five authors to this particular article. Allow me to read the abstract. It's possible I've already read this on the show before. My apologies if I'm repeating myself here, but for all the mask-wearing crazy people, this right here should pretty much put an end to it. It says the following, quote, During the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, face masks have become one of the most important ubiquitous factors affecting human breathing. It increases the resistance and dead space volume, leading to a rebreathing of CO2. So far, this phenomenon and possible implications on early life has not been evaluated in depth. As a part of a scoping review, literature was systematically reviewed regarding carbon dioxide exposure and face mask use. The results it says fresh air has around 0.04% carbon dioxide, while wearing masks more than five minutes bears a possible chronic exposure to carbon dioxide of 1.41% to 3.2% of the inhaled air. Although the buildup is usually within the short-term exposure limits, long-term exceedances and consequences must be considered due to experimental data. U.S. Navy toxicity experts set the exposure limits for submarines carrying a female crew of 0.8% carbon dioxide based on animal studies, which indicated an increased risk for stillbirths. But don't worry. If you're going into the hospital, ladies and gentlemen, because you're pregnant and they tell you to wear a mask, you need to do what they tell you. Because, you know, mask wearing. <laughs> it's this guy, I gotta tell you, you can't fix this stupid. You can't fix this level of stupid. You can't. It has to be eliminated. We can't have these people going forward, can we? Really, this kind of stupidity, not without an you know some kind of an admission of guilt. It's the only way we move past this. Is if these people openly admit that they murdered copious amounts of people. Sorry, I digress. I move on. It says additionally, mammals who were chronically exposed to 0.3% carbon dioxide, the experimental data demonstrate a tetragenicity uh, with an irreversible neuron damage in the offspring. Reduced spatial learning caused by brainstem neuron apoptosis 
and reduced circulating levels of the insulin-like growth factor, dash 1, with significant impact on three readout parameters, morphological, functional, and marker, this chronic 0.3% carbon dioxide exposure has to be defined as being toxic. Additional data exists on the exposure of chronic 0.3% carbon dioxide in adolescent mammals, causing neuron destruction, which includes less activity, increased anxiety, and impaired learning and memory. There is also data indicating testicular toxicity in adolescents at CO2 inhalation concentrations above 0.5%. And then it says discussion. There is a possible negative impact risk by imposing extended mask mandates, especially for vulnerable subgroups. Circumstantial evidence exists that extended mask, mask use may be related to current observations of stillbirths and to reduced verbal, motor, and overall cognitive performance in children born during the pandemic. A need exists to reconsider mask mandates, unquote. No kidding. But don't worry again. The American K-12 school system blanketly blames the quote-unquote pandemic. We all suffered through this. We're all the victims. It wasn't our fault. We didn't do anything wrong. Can you see now why they had to change all of the educational parameters in every state when it came to the evaluations of these schools? Can you see why they had to do it? They knew, again, that they were screwing with the minds and the bodies of these minors. They knew it. They knew what was going on. And they didn't want to get caught with bad test scores. We can't possibly test them. They were out of school and there was too much illness and there was just too much going on. There's no way we're going to get an accurate reading as to what they're learning. Yes, we're gagging them all of the time and oxygen deprivation and blah, blah, blah. But don't pay attention to that. Just pay attention to the fact that we had to do away with the evaluations and now we've redone them and dumbed them down even more. You've heard me bring that up in previous episodes again. That's why they did it. They are purposefully engaging and have purposefully engaged, knowingly, certainly at the very top, with the mental, emotional, physical, and social destruction of these children in these environments. These environments went along with it because the more local the environment becomes, the more brainwashed and stupid they become. They cannot grasp at the local level the larger scheme at hand here, and the larger scheme at play. Herbert Hoover himself, ladies and gentlemen, openly stated again, I'm paraphrasing, but he openly stated that the American public has no idea the larger scheme that is at play here, that they cannot grasp the level of evil that actually exists. And unfortunately, he was a part of it too. So it was a bit of a mockery. But he also did say this. He said, quote, public health services should be as fully organized and as universally incorporated into our governmental system as is public education. The returns are a thousandfold in economic benefits and infinitely more in reduction of suffering and promotion of human happiness, unquote. Nope, he was dead wrong. 
he was 100% wrong. Incorporating all of these has led to the destruction of copious amounts of people. Because as we can all see again, medicine, education, and government are all now fingers on the exact same hand. They have been for a long time, but now they're all on the exact same property. And that's not good for anybody. Okay, I'm going to leave it there, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to bring this to your attention also. I hope to have an episode here coming up with Josiah Richwine's dad, who is a pastor. And I'm going to ask him a few questions again about the whole COVID tyranny, certainly from a biblical perspective, regarding what's gone on here over the last few years. Should be an interesting conversation. I hope to have both he and Josiah on at the exact same time. Uh, And they will have the floor to discuss what they think people should know, certainly, again, from a biblical standpoint as to what's taking place and what maybe lies ahead. So I look forward to that conversation, and I will bring it to you when that conversation concludes. So with that said, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday or perhaps sooner than that. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.